Good afternoon. Welcome to your afternoon. This is Rob Port on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Natio out again today. Eric Johnson sitting in. Good afternoon, Eric. Good afternoon. You're stuck with the B team today. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Don't I sell would. yourself short, Eric. <laughs> you do a good job. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. So uh, we got a we got a fun show, I think, today. Uh, Chris Kurzman from, from the forum. You recognize him. He's a columnist. Uh, you wrote a column recently about some of the changes coming on Facebook. And I think it's important to talk about. And it's important to understand because Facebook in, in so many ways has become central to the way we communicate, to the way we, we disseminate and, and get information that I, I think when Facebook makes fundamental changes to, to, you know, to the way that they're organizing information, you know, you deserve to know about it. And, you know, basically the, the focus is going to be more on user content, less on publisher content, which I, I think candidly, not so good for us, you know, who make a living out of producing content. You know, I, I, you know, our employers at, at WDAY at the Fargo Forum, um, a lot of, of our created content is is going to, you know, take a back seat to, to user created content. But there are still ways that, that you can continue to, to get your news on Facebook if you want to do it that way. Uh, or you could just visit our websites directly. Anyway, we'll talk with Chris about that. He's an expert on all that sort of stuff. We'll have the rundown at 1.30. Um, I broke some news this morning. That former NDGOP chairman Gary Emineth is strongly considering a run for the United States Senate. Um, and actually, we're going to have Gary on the show. He was actually, funnily enough, Eric, I, you'll like this story. Gary was actually guest hosting another. I, I got the tip from a very strong source, um, and I went to contact Gary. Gary was actually sitting in for another radio host on another station this ah, morning. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I, I had the strong source. I just, I, you know, pinged him for, for comment, but just went ahead because I, I, I knew it was, he was considering. So anyway, I put up my post. Gary gets a call on air <laughs> from somebody <laughs> asking him about the post. <laughs> and Gary was like, uh, well, that news wasn't supposed to be out. But yeah, I am strongly considering a run oh, for the Senate. Very interesting. So anyway, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. We'll talk with him about that. Um, you know, particularly coming after the news last week that congressman kevin kramer's not running and that wasn't just news locally i mean kevin had been kind of flirting with with running and by the way he's on the program tomorrow as well for our weekly uh our weekly open phone segment but you know kevin had been flirting with that senate race for a while he'd been sort of touting his strong polling numbers uh, but doing a lot of posturing uh, around that race and then surprised the hell out of a lot of people and he said he wasn't going to run uh, including me, I, I expected him that he was going to get in that race, particularly after he met with president Donald Trump. Uh, he decided not to run. Now, the interesting thing about Emineth getting in the race is that Emineth and, uh, Kramer are, well, they're, they're pals, they're buddies. And so last week when I had Kramer after his announcement that he wasn't going to get in the Senate race, I had him on. He said that he expected, he expected a competitive Republican primary. And uh, and also last week, he declined to endorse Tom Campbell. Now, both of those things indicate that Kramer expecting other candidates to get into the race. Now, this week, we learn his buddy, Gary Emineth, is considering getting into the race. And that's very interesting. Now, Emineth has, has never held statewide office in North Dakota before. Um, you know, his, his involvement in politics in the past has been basically working for the Republican Party, uh, including, again, uh, he's a past chairman of the NDGOP. Um, but what's interesting is that 
I, I, I think I think Emineth is going to be, if he gets into this race, um, I think he's going to overcome. He, he's going to run aggressively, and, and I think he's probably going to give Heidi, uh, Heidi Heitkamp about all she can handle. Um, can he win? I, I don't know. I mean, Heitkamp's a tough campaigner. I think it's I think even Kramer, which is probably the best case scenario for Republicans heading into this election cycle, running against Heitkamp, even Kramer, I thought was a 50-50 issue. Um, you what, know, Emineth, what, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to ask you a question. You probably know the inner workings of this better than I do. Is there any kind of, when we're talking about being uh, before the primary, is this field wide open for the Republican Party, or is there kind of conversation among the hierarchy in the Republican Party about, hey, who has the best chance of beating, beating Heidi? Let's, let's push that person, in, you know, to the forefront. Or is well, it pretty much every man there, for himself? Well, there's been efforts to recruit, but I don't. Th- I don't think that there's been any sort of an effort to like anoint somebody and say this is our person. Everybody else, stay out. Uh, as a matter of fact, party leadership, including the current chairman uh, Kelly Armstrong, uh, have been out actively recruiting candidates. Uh, that's where Tammy Miller, Border States Electric CEO, that's where her name came from. Republicans are trying to recruit her, get her into the race. Kathy Nessett, State Board of Higher Education member. Um, she was somebody who was targeted for recruiting. Um, I've heard that there are others. I, I don't know any specifically. Those are two that were probably the most serious. So, no, I, I, I don't I don't think that there's any effort to just kind of say this is our person. Now, if Kramer gets into that race, you know, probably what you're going to see is the other candidates clear the way. I, I, I think if Kramer had gotten into the Senate race, you probably would have saw Campbell switch to the House race. Um, and there's going to be some deference to the fact that Kramer already holds a seat in Congress. Um, but I don't think there was ever any effort to, to say, you know, to, to sort of find a candidate and anoint him. I mean, you got to remember the North Dakota Republican party is a sprawling party. It's very, very large. It's a very different situation than Democrats, which, which frankly, I mean, just given the realities of, of their, you know, lack of electoral success is a much smaller organization. Um, and so the Republican party is much bigger that's that's obviously good you know it's a product of their electoral success but it also creates headaches because you have a lot of different factions within the party that that are constantly vying uh and and rubbing up against one another and and it's 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 competitive so um you know i i think i think eminent getting into the race is an indication that that a lot of republicans aren't necessarily satisfied with campbell now will eminent win the nomination i don't know but i think one thing you could count on is it's probably not going to be resolved at the party state convention. I, I think no matter what, um, you know, Emineth particularly, you know, being a, a in in you know s- sort of a member of the the Kevin Kramer camp, almost certain to to push that race, you know, to the June primary. So, do you think we'll ever see Drew Wrigley go for a big office? I think we might when Attorney General Wayne Stenjum decides he's done. I, I I feel like that might be the next logical step for Drew Wrigley. Because before he had the bump in the road, he kind of seemed like the he was going to follow the same. Oh, he was he was running for governor. He was running for governor before he had that bump in the road. Yeah, he was absolutely running for governor. Um, And then you know, obviously that happened. You know, right now he you know we're still waiting around for him to possibly be confirmed as as U.S. Attorney. Um, You know that that process has been bogged down. Uh, I have a feeling that a lot of that is coming from Heitkamp's office. You know, running that down. And that's sort of an interesting behind-the-scenes dynamic because, you know, while simultaneously Republicans would very much like to get Heitkamp out of office, in the meantime, you know, as Republicans try to push through their agenda, she's one of the few Democrats who are going to work with Republicans, you know. And, and she sort of has to – it's sort of a political necessity for her. She has to, 
she has to give voters the appearance of being sort of a bipartisan person, which means that, that she has to work with Republicans sometimes. Republicans know that. And that gives her some clout on issues like appointments. So, for instance, you know, when it comes to the U.S. attorney appointment, um, it's been indicated to me that she doesn't necessarily like Drew Wrigley that much uh, and that she would not necessarily like him to be appointed U.S. attorney. It is my understanding that that's a lot of the holdup with, with um, you know, um, the, the delegation from a given state, you know, and more so that the delegation that matches up with the party of the president has a lot of control, a lot of influence over those appointments. Well, you know, Republicans nationally, you know, have to have to tiptoe kind of carefully right. around high camp because she's a swing vote. I have completely forgotten about that whole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's still hanging out there. Um, and I don't know. I mean, and, and before that, uh, Tim Purden. Who was, who was, of course, uh, President Obama's choice to fill that role. That appointment got held up for a long, long time. Um, and a lot of that had to do with he was a very partisan choice. He was picked directly from the Democratic National Committee. Um, obviously, he got into he got into that office and made some pretty provocative choices right off the bat, trying to, to prosecute oil companies for some dead ducks. I mean, that was kind of an absurd story that made national headlines. It was, it was actually part of a, one of the presidential debates that cycle, um, I think the 2012 cycle. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, j- just sort of an interesting thing. A lot of stuff behind the curtains. You know, I, I think a lot of people view the Republican Party monolithically in North Dakota. Uh, and even the Democratic Party, although, again, they're they're smaller, so it's I, I think they're less fractured. But the Republican Party, a lot of competition, a lot of fra- uh, fraction um, going on behind the scenes that I think a lot of people in the public don't don't see. Um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic. Gary Emineth, I think, is a very interesting name. Um by no means a certainty to beat Heidi Heitkamp. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, if anything, he would be the underdog against a candidate like Heitkamp. That said, um, he has a lot of connections politically. You know, he's been very active, um, not just in the North Dakota Republican Party, but also nationally in, in the RNC. Um, you know, was a was a supporter of Rance Priebus uh, and was involved really in, in some ways in Trump's rise nationally. So, you know, very, very interesting. You know, the thing the thing, though, is that the average voter – I don't know how much they know about that sort of thing. I, I don't think they know much about it at all. And, and even upon learning about it, I, I'm not sure how they how much they care, you know. But you know, just in terms of fundraising and being able to mount a credible campaign against somebody like Heitkamp, you know, I, I got to think that Gary Emmett sounds like a pretty appealing name to to a lot of Republicans who are maybe looking to, for an alternative to, to Tom Campbell. It's a recognizable name, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, more more so perhaps than Campbell. Um, although Emmett has burned some bridges too. Um, you know, Emineth was was a very, you know, in, in some ways, I want to say polarizing, you know, leader for for, for the North Dakota Republican Party. Um, particularly, uh, I remember during the, the 2010 cycle, Berg versus Kramer, you know, Rick Berg eventually emerged with that nomination. But there were a lot of hard feelings from the Berg camp towards Emineth, you know, that he was sort of in the tank in that process as party chair for Kramer. Um, and I, I think even during the 2012 cycle, you know, a lot of the same feelings. So. Um, you know, a little bit of a polarizing figure in some, you know, Republican circles. But, you know, again, I don't know how much that's going to matter if, if Emineth emerges as, as the Republicans' last best hope against Heidi Heitkamp. I have a feeling that, that maybe some of those hard feelings from the past Republicans will be able to put behind them. Anyway, interesting name. I've got it written up at sayanythingblog.com. Uh, and again, Gary Emineth will be on this program tomorrow. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Rob Port, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, 
888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Happy to be with you. Um, yeah, we're talking a little bit about the U.S. Senate race, uh, Gary Emineth getting in, but he's going to be on with us tomorrow. So let's let's switch gears. Um, Eric, I, I know you've seen this uh, this controversy over the, the breastfeeding incident at uh, Chick-fil-A. Right. In Fargo. Um, I have some thoughts uh, about that. And I, I think it's interesting that, that right away um, – in my understanding, you can you can read it's it's all over the news. But you know, basically, a woman was in the restaurant. She was breastfeeding. Um, she I was guess there somebody... in a soft opening, so I'm guessing she was invited there. Yeah. It's not open yet, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Yeah. So she's there in a soft opening. Um. Anyway, she's asked to leave. Um. And you know, she posts about it on Facebook. There's a resulting you know um. A resulting social media firestorm because that's how we do things these days. Uh, Chick-fil-A has since, has since apologized, but it's interesting to me because what, what has become an issue is, uh, a, a section of the North Dakota century code and it's uh, section 23 dash 12 dash 16 specifically, uh, the right to breastfeed. Now this was passed during the 2009 legislative session and it's, it's really a short piece of law. It says, I quote, if the woman acts in a discreet and modest manner, a woman may breastfeed her child in any location, public or private where the woman and child are otherwise authorized to be. Um, now, this is this is problematic, I think, for a couple of reasons. First of all, Eric, those words discreet and modest, I, I think any time you put words like that in law, you're going to run into problems. Right. Because who's, whose definition of discreet and modest are we using? Exactly. That's been it, kind of the debate that's been going on, on on the talk shows has been, you know, who gets to be the police on this? Right. Like, is it, is it my values? Is it is it your values? Is it your grandmother's values? I mean, who's who, who's the decider? I, I, you know, um, you know what one person might be bothered by something that that other people feel is just fine. So that's that's problematic in and of itself. But but the other problem I have is, is that we're setting state law, controlling what the policy towards breastfeeding is going to be on on private property. And, and let me let me preface my comments with with this. And by the way, if you want to weigh in, 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Let me preface this by saying I have absolutely no problem um, with with women breastfeeding in public. My children were breastfed breastfed in public. Uh, I think businesses should accommodate it. Um, I I I I don't see that there's a problem. I think people who get wrapped up you know up in arms about it. Uh, are, are being obnoxious. They're being juvenile. They're being prudes, right? It's 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 a breast and it's a kid. This is the most natural thing in the world. I don't understand what the big deal is. That being said, I think there's a property rights argument to be made here. And I, I the reason why I think it's important to make it because a lot of people may think, well, if you support breastfeeding, public, what what's the big deal about having a law saying that private places have to allow it? And, and the reason is, is because it's not just about this issue, right? Society has constantly evolving social mores, right? O- over time, things that may not have been acceptable to one generation of North Dakotans and Americans uh, and Minnesotans, um, you know, suddenly become acceptable or things fall out of favor. I mean, it, this is changing all the time. And I, public policy is a, is a blunt instrument. And I have a problem, I think, sometimes when, when we start trying to, to solve these issues with the law. And to illustrate my point, let me let me let me bring up a related issue. Uh, have you heard about this thing called free the nipple, Eric? I have not. 
Okay. Well, this is this is a, an issue where women are asserting their right to go topless in public. Um, it's it's not a trivial thing. There's a lot of activists behind this, a lot of celebrities behind this. Uh, there's been hashtag campaigns. There's even legal cases. I, I believe before uh, there's a case heading to the Supreme, state Supreme Court of New Hampshire challenging that state's prohibition on women going topless in public. Um, so these women are asserting their right to go topless in public. Now, setting aside how you might feel about that, if women get the right to go topless in public, does that mean that restaurants have to allow it? Do grocery stores have to allow it on their premises? Now, most restaurants and grocery stores and things already have a dress code, a universal dress code. Like, as a, as a man, I can't walk into my grocery store without my shirt on, even though that might be legal for me out in public generally. Uh, I'm not allowed to go on their property in their store with my shirt off or, frankly, with my shoes off, for that matter, right? No shoes, no shirt, no service. We've right. all seen those signs. Yep. Um, and so that, that, to me, is an important question. Like, are we going to pick and choose when we allow private property owners to assert th- their property rights? We kind of already do, though, don't we? I mean, you break down we the, do, the same but I sex, think, you know, yeah. you can't discriminate against same sex. Oh, well, with smoking, too. We've also, you know, instituted smoking bans that apply to, you know, you know, essentially setting uh, smoking policy for private property owners. I know that we do this. I, I think my question is, should we? Because, again, society has constantly evolving mores. And I don't think that, that, that the legislators, I, I don't think that the legislative process is the appropriate venue to debate these. I, I really think a lot of these questions ought to be left up to individual property rights owners. And, and I also have, have a problem with, with the idea that we could create in statute a right to breastfeed in public that now suddenly trumps somebody's property rights, which are, by the way, well-defined rights in, in the law. And I, I realize that, that we already do a lot of this stuff, but I, I wonder at, at what point, you know, I mean, the Supreme Court upheld the government's ability to force us to buy health insurance, right? We have cases heading before the Supreme Court about whether or not cake bakers can be compelled to bake uh, cakes for homosexual weddings. And, and I think the problem is, is we've allowed our personal feelings about these issues, right? Because I'm in favor of gay weddings. I think the cake bakers should bake cakes for gay weddings. I would, you know, be critical of bakers that choose not to do that but I, I to me my personal feelings about those issues are beside the point of whether or not individuals should be able to govern what they themselves do or what happens on their property because if we don't have that right if you don't have the right to say no i don't want to bake that cake if you don't have the right to say no i don't want to allow breastfeeding in my restaurant if you don't want to say the right no i don't want to allow a topless woman into my grocery store well, then at what point do you have liberty? At what point are you free to, you know, to have self-determination? Right? I mean, this is the problem with creating rights for people. Like, if you have a right to breastfeed on my property, where are my rights? Like, we're creating rights for people that trample the rights for others. I mean, with the cake baker thing, we're basically saying you have the right to compel somebody else to bake you a cake. You have to have the right to compel the unwilling service of somebody else. Call me old-fashioned, but that kind of sticks in my craw. What do you think? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. What do you think? 
I, I, I think these are important policy questions. I know we've gone a long ways down this road in other, in other areas, but I think it's an important question to ask. Because this is what public policy is, is a balancing act between our rights. And I, I, think, I think maybe the pendulum has swung too far in, in one direction. More to come straight ahead on the Rob Report. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970, WDY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. Um, yeah, we're talking about this breastfeeding controversy at, uh, at Chick-fil-A. Um, and also, I... Uh, can I just uh, once again express my distaste for the way we, that we litigate all this stuff on social media now? You know, it, it's like there's there's no even an effort to like reach out to the company, try to find some common ground, try to find some accommodation. No, it's just immediate move to social media to you know vilify and demonize and you know organize a mob basically. I mean, that's, that's what it seems like. That's every something makes you mad. You know, or somebody makes somebody mad, so they go to social media and they form a posse, right? I mean, you know, let's, let's form a posse. We'll go after them. We'll get them. You know, that's what we're doing on social media. Well, I think days. it can definitely hurt a business. Uh, this is one of the downsides, I think, to social media. It does give a Big voice time. for people. I, I totally get that. But it also, and I'm not saying it applies in this particular case, but it also gives a voice to somebody that may have a vendetta against somebody and they claim something about a business. And it's pretty tough yeah. for a business to go, hey, no, they're lying. I mean, it's that's that's almost impossible to clear out. I have seen that politically um, where, you know, maybe an employee for a business does something dumb and then that business just gets shellacked, like their ratings get drugged down to like a one and people, you know, posting nasty reviews, you know, authors. But I mean, it, it happens a lot. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of that mob mentality and, I, and i've even had friends tell me you know they're they don't like so-and-so who owns a certain business or they don't like so-and-so who works at a certain business so they go on there they post you know reviews that have no basis in fact it's not actually based on the actual service or product that they receive they're just doing it to you know at a retribution or whatever and i you know I, I think that's abusive i think that's wrong i mean you could hurt real people you know you could hurt their jobs you could hurt their livelihoods uh, by doing that stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe something to think of uh, as we move forward in this digital age. But going back to the, the issue of breastfeeding, um, and again, I, you know, I don't have a problem with, with women breastfeeding in public. I, I'm not some prude who's going to get up in arms because a mom pulls her breast out and feeds her kid. Doesn't bother me at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think businesses should accommodate it. If I heard about a business that was, you know, giving a mom trouble, or, or, or treating moms uh, trying to breastfeed uh, in some ways uh, th- th- that is unfair, then, you know, I'm going to be critical of that business. And I'm probably not going to give that business my business. There's only two things that bother me about this thing. And okay. I don't know this woman, and maybe everything was just straight up on board. But if you wanted to create a controversy on this particular topic, a great place to do it would be Chick-fil-A. Because well, of they're already, background. I mean, they already draw a lot of right. controversy. Absolutely. Yeah. The other part of it is it just seems strange to me that this is something that needed to happen while you're basically eating at a fast food restaurant. So you're going to be there like 10 minutes eating and then leaving. It's not like you're there for an hour. So it, it just, it, it just, I don't know her. I, I maybe, maybe everything is straight up, but it, 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 it just smells a little orchestrated. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think I think there's that too. I mean, obviously, I you know, political activists know the power of social media. They know the power of, of creating, you know, one of those outrage moments. I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened here, but yeah, it, it seems a little pat, um, for sure. Um, but you know, I, I think there is a larger question here, and I, I think there's there's a question about balancing rights because that, to me, that that's what politics is about, right? In a perfect world. We could all just go about our, our our day. You know, we were all angels. We could just go about our day and do whatever the heck it is we wanted to do, and everything would be fine because nobody would be criminals and nobody would, would you know, be doing things to endanger other people. Uh, but it's not a p- perfect world. And so, you know, we all have to live next to each other. We all have to live, you know, in relatively close proximity to one another in our communities, and, and we have all sorts of ways in which our lives overlap. And so we need politics and public policy to smooth those edges over, you know, to create, you know, draw boundary lines and, and, and create laws that are going to allow us to coexist with one another. And and I what, what, what troubles me is that increasingly we are creating rights for people that, that trample the rights of others, whether it's you have a right to have somebody bake you a cake or you have a right to go on somebody else's property and breastfeed. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Even when I support gay marriage, even when I support breastfeeding in public, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with creating those sorts of rights in the law. What do you think? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. Caller, Rick, you're up. Hey, guys. Um, so, first off, I, I do love Chick-fil-A, actually. I'm thrilled they're in town. That's delicious. And, and uh, I would always stop by the Maple Grove Chick-fil-A and pick up pick up Chick-fil-A and, and race it home to the Fargo here to, for, for my kids because they love it so much. So we're happy yeah. to have them. I just think it's kind of ironic and funny that, indeed, while sometimes these uh, you know extremists can, can hurt a company or hurt a business, in this case, you know, kind of just like with, was with Trump getting all that free press, free press value, I mean, how much, how many dollars, you know, probably up to a hundred thousand dollars worth of advertising, free advertising that Chick Fil A has now gotten. I, I just can't imagine that their sales are way down. I mean, there's maybe ten percent of the uneducated. I hate to say it, uneducated, less yeah. than up to speed uh, females that are just you know breastfeed fanatics. That maybe you're going to brought boycott beyond that. It'll be also still going. And you hey, know, I mean, it, it oh, gives yeah, them a black eye. It's open. Let's go today. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah. funny. Well, I, you know, you know, I, I don't think this is going to give Chick Fil A. Uh, this isn't going to bring Chick the Chick Fil A empire to their knees by any stretch of the imagination. I think the Chick Fil A and Fargo is going to be do just fine uh, because overall they do do. Uh, you know, they put out a good product. A lot of people like it. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't think that this is going to deter a lot of people. Thanks for the call, Rick. Um, I mean, to, to me, it's just a question. We we put a lot of things in laws, you know, because again, I'm I'm reading. This is Section 23-12-16 of the North Dakota Century Code. The title of the section is Right to Breastfeed. And it's creating basically a right for you to be able to come on my property and breastfeed. Even if I don't like it. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I look at that and it gives me pause. Like I'm not sure I'm entirely comfortable with the way a lot of these laws are heading and and you can't absolutely draw a direct line between this and laws against discrimination. Laws that prohibit you know prohibit businesses uh, from telling somebody uh, of a certain ethnicity that that they're not going to be served. And I would find that practice abhorrent. You know the idea that 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 a minority or, or somebody could be turned away because of the color of their skin is abhorrent to me. I'm just wondering though. 
you know, if, if you boil it down to, 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 to the most basic principle, which is whether or not you have the right to access other people's property on your terms, or whether or not you have the right to compel them to provide you with a service or a good, whether you want it or not. I, I think this is a very dangerous direction for public policy, not least because, again, at the national level, we have come through an era. I mean, we've, we've gotten rid of the individual health care mandate now. The employer mandate still is, is in place, by the way. Um, but we you, we're creating laws where the government can compel us to buy things. We're creating laws where the government can compel you to provide services, whether you want to or not. You know, we're creating laws where, where people can essentially access your property and, and, and setting the terms for access to your property. That, to me, is problematic. That, that to me, is something that I think we need to think long and hard about. Because if you don't have the right to say no, then what rights do you have at all? Caller, Ken, you're up. I think this falls under the, uh, you know, slay the elephant, choke on a mosquito kind of a thing. Um, you know, if, if you just stick to everything by the book, then you don't get to um, combat you know, the evil of racism back in the, in the 50s and 60s. But then if you follow that logic down the trail, then you choke on, you know, that you have to let everybody do whatever they want because, you know, the, because I can get a bunch of namby-pamby, you know, legislators to not stand up for constitutional principles. Therefore, I get to create chaos wherever I go because I can and I'm allowed right. to. Well, I mean, and I, th I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is once you've established a principle and you say, well, this is how we're going to enforce the law or this is how we're going to look at rights. Well, then you've got to be consistent about that. You know, I, and it's and, and again, I understand that there's a fallacy and a lot of people talk about the slippery slope fallacy. But I mean, really. But it's not if, a slippery if, slope. If, if, it's, it's the courts because it, you're not on a yeah. slope anymore. You're not on a mountain. Well, you're it's just, not just the courts. I get to file I mean, a court thing, and then I get to be taken totally seriously. And the judges have to go, well, they did it over here. I guess we got to do it here, too. Yeah. Well, and, and this thats this is the problem. And, and really, I, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't necessarily understand. It, it's just, I you know, I, I, I feel like people have a right to say no. And you have a right to your property. And I understand that, that is going to allow some very bad people to yes. make some very ugly and obnoxious decisions sometimes that drive yes. the rest of us nuts. But I have faith in the overall goodness of humanity. I have faith that, generally speaking, things like market forces uh, and, and society forces can cure a lot of those things. Maybe not as quickly as we would like them to at times. But, but I, I think it's, I think it's down to do you have faith in the people or do you put your faith in the government? And, and, See, I, and I put – And for a long I, time that, that are putting their faith in the government to fix everything because it's easier because I don't need to confront anybody. I don't need to say, hey, dude, what you're doing is wrong. I just have to sick the government on people. I, under, I absolutely understand the desire to want to fix discrimination against minorities by passing laws and saying that, that you're not allowed to discriminate. I get that impulse. I don't want to see people discriminated against. I think it's disgusting. But the problem is, is now, now you've created a precedent whereby yeah. that sort of authority of the government can be used in other ways that are abusive, in, in other ways that, that maybe produce outcomes that we don't necessarily want. But and I, it's me feel that's... good, and I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a drug, too. It makes me feel good to write this what i consider to be a wrong and i get to use the government and the courts to do it 
If the government can force you to buy health insurance, why can't the government force you to buy right. cheeseburgers? Right. Why you know why why can't, can't they, they force can't you to charge? They force you to do right. If, 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 if the government, if the government, I mean, if that's the bottom line. Is what is the limiting principle? Right. And, and if the government says that you have no right, and see that's the thing that our country was founded on limits on the government. Like if you read the Constitution, yeah. it's a whole big list of a lot of things that the government can't do. And and we've been steadily chipping away at that and saying, oh, no, the government can do more and more and more. And a lot of it is in pursuit of noble causes, right? A lot of it is in pursuit of civil rights, which are, are good things to pursue, no question about it. But process matters. Um, and it's sometimes, sometimes rights, universal rights, are inconvenient. You know, they prevent us from getting the sort of outcomes that we want. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good argument for undermining. And you get back to what, uh, you know, the, the, the classic, from my perspective, definition of a right is something I can do that has nothing to do with you. You don't have to do anything but sit in your living room, and, 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 and I, I have a right to free speech. You can sit in your living room. I get it. I, I have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can sit in your living room. You don't have to give me anything. I have that right, and, and you don't have to do anything for me to pursue or enjoy that right. Right. Yeah. I, I think I think it's hard to call anything a right that requires somebody yeah. else to to, to to do something. Thanks I'll for the call, call yeah. Ken. Yeah. 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 Thanks for the call, Ken. Appreciate it. Uh, Aaron, you're next. Go ahead. Hey, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the business right, rights aspect of it. That's something that I've been struggling with since we voted on the smoking ban. Right. Uh, I, I love that there's no smoking in bowling alleys and Me bars too. and restaurants. But Me too. I, hate I don't smoking. like. I don't like the government coming in and saying, "Hey, bar owner, mom and pop, you you can't have smoking." See, I I think with I think the thing with the smoking ban is we were heading in this direction already. I, I think smoking has fallen out of favor in America for a lot of reasons. You know, health reasons, the fact that it makes you smell bad. I you know, a lot of people still do it, not nearly as much as in other generations. I don't think there's any question that things like smoking bans have hastened us towards a point where people are smoking less. But I think we would have gotten there anyway, and I think we could have done so maybe without trampling property rights. So you're right. I mean, and, and that is the big struggle because a lot of times these laws are producing outcomes that we want, right? A lot of times these laws are, you know, stopping discrimination against minorities. A lot of times right. these well, laws are and, and stopping the, smoking the, in public, the, which, which people like you and I don't like. But is that necessarily enough to, to, to justify supporting, you know, trampling property rights? Yeah, well, to, to throw a, a wrench in that cog, and, and I think uh, all of us are, hopefully all of us are going to agree on this, is the Americans with Disabilities Act. What if, as yeah. a business owner, I don't want to put in an elevator and a wheelchair ramp? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, know, I, I, mean, I think we all agree that you should. I, I don't know. I mean, there's <laughs> no, I mean, and that's, that's the problem, is I think you run into the fact that individual rights are sometimes inconvenient, and mm -hmm. they're an obstacle to getting the outcomes we want. I just not sure. I, I don't think we, there's enough people who are standing up and saying no. Even though that's an outcome that I want, we've still got to protect the right of people to say no. You know, even 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 up to the and I, I got to take a break, Aaron. Thanks for the call. Even up to in, in the area of free speech, you're seeing that a lot today, where suddenly people are like, "Well, hate speech isn't protected speech anymore." Well, yes, it is. If you want to say that you have free speech, you're going to have to tolerate the fact that some people are going to say some things that you don't want to hear. That's what freedom means. You know, if, if, if everybody was just doing things that everybody else liked, we wouldn't need protections. I got to take a break. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. 
We uh, don't have a lot of time this segment because I was busy yakking in the last segment. We had a lot of calls, too, people calling in. I, you know, I think it's an interesting concept, and I, I think just, just to maybe put a period at the end of the sentence, I, I think we've gotten lazy. I think that we have allowed the immediacy of our desires to produce certain specific social outcomes or, or public policy outcomes. We have allowed that to maybe trump our respect for process and individual rights. Um, and I, I think we've also sort of lost respect for the idea that sometimes freedoms allow people to behave like ingrates. Um, and and because we, we can't allow that behavior to, to be justification to, to, to remove their rights, because once we've removed their rights, you've removed your rights too. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the dangerous thing. If, if you don't protect the Ku Klux Klan's right to say whatever hateful, ignorant, bigoted, stupid thing that they want to say, then you've also eroded your right to say the things that you want to say, maybe in the face of authority that you don't necessarily agree with. You know, that's, that's, that's the big obstacle. That's, that's the big risk. You know, once, once we've started to say, you know, that, that certain, um, you know, property owners don't have certain rights anymore, you know, once we've started to say that, you know, you can be compelled to do certain things by the state because, you know, people have a right to this or a right to that or, or, or a right to the product of your sweat and labor or, or a right to access your property in certain ways, we have a world in your rights too. So so even if you're supporting it in a way, you say, well, we've stopped discrimination against gays. We've stopped discrimination against minorities. Uh, we're, we're allowing... Uh, you know, breastfeeding in, in public now, and that's something that I want. Okay, fine. But you've also undermined your rights. And that may come back to bite you. Just something to keep in mind. Chris Kurzman coming up next. Big changes to how Facebook is displaying content. We'll talk with him about that here on the Rob Report. Hour two, starting soon. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 AM 93.1 FM. Cruising into your... Tuesday afternoon, 701-293-9000, email talk at wday1.com. Eric, I literally just had to check my calendar to make sure I was right when I said it was Tuesday. <laughs> How bad is that? Yeah, yeah just, it, it is, in fact, Tuesday. Uh, oh, the holidays got me all messed up. I know. I was going to say the same thing, and I also took some days off, kind of some odd days because, you know, yeah. like, Mike, uh, you were gone, and Mike McFeely was gone, and Jay Thomas were gone for, like, two weeks. So we were kind of like doing vacations around you guys a little bit. So yeah, I'm I took I took vacation and then I caught the bubonic plague. <laughs> yes, that was horrible. I've never been that sick in my life. Anyway, uh, here to talk uh, with me, not about getting sick or getting the flu or anything like that. We're actually going to talk about Facebook. We were just bashing Facebook a little bit earlier in the program, um, but there's there's no denying the fact that that Facebook has become central. Uh, to, to, to the way most Americans communicate these days. I, I mean, it's just, it's it's where people get their news. Uh, it's where people keep up to date uh, on on school activities. Um, it's it's I don't know. It's it's very central to our lives. But Facebook is making some very fundamental changes to the way they organize information uh, on their service. Here to talk with us about that is Chris Kurzman uh, of the Fargo Forum. Chris, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing well, Rob. How are you? Pretty good. First of all, tell us, I mean, we, I, I think these changes have made a lot of headlines, but, but just tell us very simply, what's changing? 
Um, so exactly uh, what's changing is uh, Facebook is changing, um, once again, the algorithm that they use to determine the types of items that go into your newsfeed. So that thing that, you know, when you first open up Facebook, that thing that starts feeding you uh, content posts a different type, uh, that's all determined by, by an algorithm. And um, so that has to do with things that you've liked, you know, pages that you've liked, or it might have to do with uh, family members. You know, family members will generally, um, you know, score higher, that kind of thing. Um, so then it puts, it takes all the stuff that's available and then it applies this algorithm, and then it starts serving you stuff on your newsfeed. And then, of course, right along with, um, you know, paid content and advertising and stuff. And um, so then as you scroll down, um, that, that's what determines the order that those things come in, where they might appear on that newsfeed. So last week, um, what Facebook announced was that they were going to, again, change how this algorithm works. Um, to their credit, they have uh, this time been a bit more upfront about how they've made those changes. Um, a lot of times they're, um, uh, I would say, a, a little bit uh, more shrouded in secrecy. Um, but this time around, they did. Um, they came out right out and broadcast that they were going to um, devalue content from pages that you like, whether that's a, a business, a brand, uh, or uh in, you know, in this case, a media company. So if you're using Facebook to get your news, you know, Facebook came out and said, we're not going to show you as much news. Now, that, that obviously has big implications for us, um, for, for those of us who create content um, and then, you know, link to it on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's really become important. I, I know for a lot of the publishers, I know it was important to me when I was running SayAnythingBlog.com before I joined Forum Communications. I mean, Facebook was huge i mean it was a it was a big part of how people were accessing my content um you know so i mean obviously a lot of people have interest in accessing that sort of content why is facebook doing this is it the fake news stuff or what what's what's driving this uh well i think certainly and i've read a lot of reactions that sort of makes that argument that you know facebook has been taking it from all sides the last couple of years um, whether they're um, being accused of partisan bias or if they're part of, uh, you know, this explosion in, in fake news, uh, that's part of it. Um, so they've been getting pressure from, you know, users on certainly, but then also from governments and, uh, you know, uh, very large uh, organizations out there for them to, you know, monitor what they, what they put on there. And Facebook has defended itself, and I think, uh, you know, reasonably well with the, you know, well, we're not a media company, um, that all of these things are, uh, you know, they're determined by our users, um, but they are mitigated, uh, by, again, by that algorithm, uh, by what you see in the newsfeed. Um, yeah, so um, what that, I guess where, where, where I sort of come from with that is that, um, you know, we sort of go into Facebook, I think, with this idea that Facebook is going to be the place where we're going to be able to have this information at our fingertips, and um, you know, Facebook is is continually uh, moving the goalposts and changing the way that it handles those things, um, and it, it's a struggle to keep up. Um, and it's also, I think, in the terms of, of being an audience member, um, might not be serving you uh, the news that you want that you've uh, that you've asked for, um, and that's uh, yeah, that's definitely a cause for concern. So, so just to be clear, though, obviously. You know, forum communications, all our various Facebook pages and all that stuff, that's all still going to be on Facebook. It's just that it might not be popping up when you're scrolling down that feed. 
it's probably not going to be there. You may have to actually travel to one of our pages to, to access that content now. Yeah, exactly. Like we're, we're still on Facebook and we still, there's still uh, plenty of value and plenty of worth in Facebook. Um, and we're still, we're still putting our stuff there. Um, it will be, yeah, it's going to be served to fewer Facebook pages. So, you know, a uh, story about, you know, something um, will be um, served to, you know, maybe 15% less pages or something to that effect. And you might fall into that. Um, however, yeah, you can still totally use Facebook to uh, keep up with, uh, with all of the different foreign communications websites. Um, you know, all that content, if you can just, you can just browse to the Facebook page and find it there. Um, there's also a way that you can, um, like subscribe to a page so that when it posts, you see it up in your, um, in your notifications. Um, and I think you can, if you go to a page, you can tool around on your settings on, for that page. Um, it might deliver like a, um, uh, like a digest to you. Uh, and it might say something like WDAY has posted five, these five Facebook things today or something to that effect. Right. Um, so you'll get that in your notifications, which which helps. So let me okay, clarify that a little. So that's something people could do. If, if you still want to get news from Inforum or, or whatever on, on Facebook, there are settings that they can manipulate to, to still make that happen? Correct. Um, as far as <laughs> I'd have to double check, um, I have, um, but I did, uh, I did do this with a, a couple of Facebook pages myself. And, uh, yeah, you go to that Facebook page. So you go to the uh, WDAY Facebook page or the Inform Facebook page. And then um, I believe it's a um, – I don't have – I apologize. I don't have it up in front of me. But you, there's a, like a bar up on top where you can set um, the notifications for that page. You might also be able to do it from your news feed. There's a little drop-down in the top right box of any post from a page. And you might be able to um, drop that down and see more from that page or to subscribe to the posts for that page. Um, probably the easiest thing to do would just be uh, to Google uh, uh, subscribe to posts from a Facebook page, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and just to be clear, like if, if somebody is, you know, reading something on inforum.com and they're like, Oh, that, that son of a gun, Rob Port wrote something again. I'm going to put this on Facebook because he's a big idiot. Um, that sort of <laughs> content still going to get, Rob, come on. <laughs> no, well, well, I'm pretty sure you see the comments on the inforum Facebook page. I see him too. Fire Rob Port seems to be a pretty popular uh, uh, refrain there. Uh, regardless, um, anyway. although I do laugh at the people. Just if we could, if we could derail this conversation for a moment, I laugh at the ones who are on there saying that they're going to unsubscribe to the forum all the time because if they don't stop publishing me, and then they're on the next week complaining about a column again, and it's like, idiot, you're you're defeating yourself, right? Quit if if you don't like me. You're just demonstrating the fact that you actually really like to read my content, even if it makes you mad. Anyway, I think that's funny. Like they're going to unsubscribe every month. Anyway, um, so if, if they, if like, if, if them as an individual like shares an inforum thing, that's still going to get plenty of play, right? If somebody comes to a website and shares something on their personal Facebook wall from inforum or any other website, that's still going to get play, right? Yeah, um, uh, the the indications that are given by um, by what I've read and from um, Mark Zuckerberg's notes last week is that um, they're going to prioritize content that's that originates from like your family and friends. And um, so what I've seen is if you're um, if you're sharing something like that, you know, it's not coming directly from that page itself. Um, if you're sharing something, um, it will it will likely um, you know, you'll, you'll still see it there. It's not going to devalue necessarily the content, just, um, 
um, how do I explain it? Well, I suppose the source of the content. If it's coming from that page itself, it's, it's going to get dinged. Uh, if it's coming from uh, you know, a friend or a family member or something like that, uh, it, it, it probably wouldn't. Do you like, I mean, do you think these changes are good for Facebook? Um, wow. Um, I guess, you know, I sort of come from it from the standpoint of uh, an audience member who is there for news. Um, Facebook is, can be so many things to people. Um, like I, I don't get a lot of news from Facebook anymore, uh, personally. Uh, however, I still interact with Facebook multiple times a day. Um, so Facebook is not the place I get news. Um, there's lots of, lots of places to get news. Um, so, um, I think what we might be seeing is, um, you know, Facebook is continually trying to revise or revise and, um, adapt its business model um, as it's uh, continued to grow. It's a completely unprecedented company uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, there, here they are, what, 10, 15 years out from, you know, growing into this gigantic thing that has all of these vast implications on all of our lives. Um, but just looking at it narrowly from, uh, you know, if you're, getting fa- if you're getting news from Facebook, if you're counting on it, um, if you're counting on like your, you know, you mentioned you might be getting school announcements through um, Facebook, um, there's a good chance you're going to see less of that. And, um, and that's something that pe- people should be aware of. Yeah. I, by the way, I hate that my school does announcements on Facebook now. It's like they, mm-hmm. they've done it and they precluded it, like sending me announcements and other things. My Facebook page is a is chaos. Like people are tagging me all the time. I can't keep up on stuff on there. Like quit. Mm hmm. Quit sending me important information about my kid's schedule on Facebook. I, I really would, would prefer an email or, or even a paper home or something. Anyway, um, well, anyway, interesting changes, uh, certainly. And, and again, I, I think it's important to talk about just because of how central Facebook has become. Um, I mean, really, it's 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 almost like a public utility. I, and I hate to say that because I don't I don't want you know to to regulate it like a public utility, but in a lot of ways, it sort of is. I mean, it's it's that ubiquitous in our lives. That it's there, and so when they make changes in this way, you know, it's a big, big deal, and I think it's important to talk about them and understand them and understand the implications for what that means for the sort of information that you're going to get from there. Um, yeah, because I it's agree. important. I agree. Yeah. All right, Chris, thanks for your time. Certainly appreciate it. Hey, uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Rob. That's Chris Kurzman, columnist for the Fargo Forum. Uh, what do you think? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. I got a bunch of emails about the breastfeeding thing. Um, I'll read out some of these after the break. We'll be right back. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. We were just talking about Facebook, but last hour we were talking about this breastfeeding controversy out of Chick-fil-A in, in Fargo. And um, it sort of sort of uh, turned into a larger argument about property rights and individual rights and, and all the ways you know, whether it's, it's the government forcing us to buy health insurance uh, or smoking bans or, you know, even even discrimination policies, um, you know, the, the, the cake baking controversies. It's a really important area of public policy these days. And I, I think it's worth a lot of discussion. I got a bunch of emails. I want to read through these. Uh, by the way, if you want to join in, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. David emails, Mr. Port. If we are forcing people to allow someone to do things on their property, even if they don't want them to, 
Why can't I hunt wherever I want? You know, that's actually a really interesting question because under state law, there is actually a presumption of access to property for hunting. Um, and if you think about it, uh, property has to be posted and properly posted in order for, for a property owner to, to deny access to it for hunters. So if, 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 a, if a farmer or a rancher or a property owner in general uh, doesn't want you to hunt on their property, the law's expectation is that they take action. Right. And I, and I actually think from a property rights perspective, I'm not so sure that shouldn't be the other way around. Right. It's not your property. I don't know why you should get a presumption of access to it. Uh, if you want access to, to private property, I think there, there should be uh, an expectation that you get permission or, or, you know, if the property owner just wants to give blanket permission, maybe he can put up signs or something like that. I don't like the idea that the public has that sort of presumed access uh, to private property. Um, as to why you can't just hunt wherever you want, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's property rights. You know, property owners should get to decide whether or not you're going to be on their property. Um, email, uh, Patty. Eric hit the nail on the head. It was orchestrated. Uh, this woman was also feeding her baby French fries, so it's not like this baby was a newborn infant needing to feed on demand. Uh, she just needed to wash down the French fries. Orchestrated. I guess I didn't know that. The baby was eating French fries. I guess I don't know where she got that fat. I that, don't know if that's true. Or that not. I had not heard before either, so I'd have to do some yeah. checking into that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not. Um I mean t- to me that's it's sort of an irrelevant thing. I, I think you probably I mean I I don't know. It sure seems a little pat. I, I think I share a lot of people's suspicion that maybe this was a manufactured incident. Like like maybe she wanted to make a point so she went in there and, and behaved in a way to get herself, you know, thrown out. Still, I, I think the larger debate is, A, I'm, I am fine with breastfeeding in public. I have absolutely no problem with it. I think businesses should allow it. Um, I think people who are, are, you know, working themselves up into a tizzy because a, a mom pulls her breast out to feed her kid, um, you know, grow up. Uh, that said, I, I think it should be up to the property owner, you know, and, and maybe the property owner can, can draw lines about what's appropriate and what's not. You know, that should be up to the, the property owner in, in the same way that property owners are able to decide things like dress code on, on their property. Like if they want you to wear shoes, if they want you to wear a shirt, um, they can say that. And I think they should be allowed to. Mona emails, Rob, I read the article about the lady breastfeeding uh, at Chick-fil-A, and I can't help but say, here we go again. An individual thinks they can do whatever they feel like without regard to others. I have no problem with breastfeeding in public, but I think you should cover up. I don't want to see your breasts any more than I want my kids or spouse to see them. I would like to ask this couple what they would have done if they were the manager of Chick-fil-A and other customers were complaining. Tell them to leave. But a bigger problem for me is people running to the media and making a mountain out of a molehill. Thanks for giving a black eye to a new business. Um, you know, I, I think there's a point to be said there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can understand a business wanting to create a certain environment and, and not wanting to, uh, you know, not wanting their other patrons to be made to feel uncomfortable. Now, I, I think it's silly to be feel uncomfortable about a mom breastfeeding, um, but that's me, and I'm not everybody. And, and honestly, Eric, I think a business would probably, you know, not be happy, and I'd probably make a lot of people uncomfortable if I went strolling into Chick Fil A with my shirt off. Nobody wants to see that, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't particularly want to see it. Well, the other part right? of it is, and I don't know this, and we, of course, most of us have not been in the restaurant. Could she have also found a place in the restaurant where she could have been kind of off in the corner? Or was she sitting yeah. right out in front or right by the counter? I mean, that's 
that's another part of this. I well, I, don't I mean, know. was she like was she like walking around with her breasts? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, breastfeeding is. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and you know, certainly while doing the act, you could, I guess, be doing things that are making other people uncomfortable. Um, right. I mean, are you like shoving it in people's faces? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there, but you know, I, I could understand there'd be, well, we're going to allow breastfeeding, but you know, th- there's an upper limit to that sort of behavior. I, you know, and again, I, I think that's why it's important to allow property owners to make this decision. You know, let the business owners, let the property owners make this decision. Uh, another email. Um, I think a business owner should be able to choose who they want to do a service for unless they get government subsidies. After all, it's their business, right? They could deal with the aftermath. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I would a word of caution about throwing in that about government subsidies. I, I think a lot of times people take a very expansive view of government subsidies, and now all of a sudden, because you're on city water, um, now you know the government gets a say. Uh, but, but aside from that, you know, I think the larger point is true, and I, I think it's, I think it's messy. I think it's slower a lot of times than what we want. But most of the time, I, I think we're better served by allowing these these problems, these these questions to be answered, you know, whether it's by the marketplace, whether it's by, you know, social pressure or, or whatever. Um, if you don't like Chick-fil-A's policy on breastfeeding, you don't have to eat there, right? If you don't like Chick-fil-A's policy on, on anything, you know, it's your choice. That's what I prefer. I prefer policies that give everybody a choice. The business owner slash property owner gets a choice. They get to set their policies. And then we as the public get to choose how we're going to react to those policies. You know, and, and just leave the government out of it. Uh, let's see. Patty uh, interviews. Uh, uh, WDAZ interviewed the mom. Uh, she said nobody complained when she was feeding her French fries. So why should they say something when she started to breastfeed. So I guess that was part of her television. I didn't see that. I guess that was part of her television interview that, that the baby was eating French fries and then I guess washing it down with some breast milk. So we'll have the rundown. Coming up next is the Rob Report, 970 AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be back. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. All right, Eric, what's in the headlines? Okay, well, we start right at the uh, top of the list here. This is from CBS Sacramento, and I had no idea this was happening until I saw this headline, but New California declares independence from the rest of the state. You might be scratching your head going, New California. Well, actually, there is a declaration of independence from the founders of the state of New California. And I, Are they trying to break away? I, I, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but a strange story. Yeah, there's actually, believe it or not, there's actually a process for this. They're not leaving the union, right? They're not seceding. Um, they're just leaving California. Uh, and there's actually a process for this. Um, it was it was used by West Virginia to leave Virginia. Uh, so that is uh, during the Civil War. So that is, I, I guess, um, I guess that's what they're doing. I, I don't know how successful it is. Uh, looking at the map, well, like when I read that article, looking at the map, it kind of seems like the Republican parts of California want to leave the liberal <laughs> well, and my, well my thought is is do they want somebody else to pay for their roads and everything as well or do they just want their certain area to deal with that but then everybody else should pay for everything else is what i'm trying well to i figure. mean i i think they want to create like a like they want to be a state their own deal wow they want to be their own deal they want to be a state i guess that means they want two senators in in congress and and however many representatives i guess it works out for their population um yeah i don't know it's it's a weird deal uh, I don't know how successful they're going to be, but there is a process for this. 
And in the age of Trump, one thing I have learned, Eric, <laughs> is that I don't ever, ever say, oh, that's absurd, because absurd stuff is happening all the time now. So to quote a line from Dumb and Dumber, so you say there's a chance. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying there's a chance. It seems unlikely, but I don't know. Uh, you know, they could. And, and I, don't, I don't even know what the pro- – I should look up what the process is, because there is one. I mean, this is – a real thing that's allowed under the law, and and they're taking the steps. They want to pursue this, but I mean, obviously, at some point, point there needs to be a vote. You know, I think it'd be a question of, you know, whether or not the people of California are going to go along. And I don't know who all gets to vote. Does everybody in California get to vote on the split, or just the people in the split areas? I, I don't even know how that works, but um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. All right, what's next? Okay, this is from the Independent website, uh, news website out of the UK. So the headline reads, Marijuana legislation causing violent crime to fall in the U.S. states, according to a study. So the legislation of marijuana for medical purposes has led to significant reduction in violent crime in several U.S. states, specifically bordering Mexico, according to a study that was published by the Economic Journal. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. And that, and that's an argument that, that the pro-legalization folks, whether it's legalizing medical marijuana or whether it's legalizing marijuana just for recreational use, which we're also seeing, um, you know, it, it's an argument I, I think the anti-prohibition people have been making for a while. Um, and I, I think it's an accurate one. I, I think sometimes we ignore the potential risks of legal marijuana. I mean, I think that brings its own societal headaches along with it but but really i mean it's 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 analogous to the legalization of of alcohol i mean when we prohibited when we prohibited it we basically created a massive massive black market that enriched people like al capone um and you know we had all sorts of, of violent you know gangs operating in the legal shadows um you know serving it you know and, and they, they obviously they couldn't access the courts or whatever to, to resolve their disputes so they did what human beings do in the absence of things like courts and laws, and they just murdered each other. Um, you know, and then when we legalized alcohol, obviously alcohol has negative social impacts, uh, but are they as large as as the social impacts of of you know prohibition? You know, I'm not so sure. I I, I think overall, I think we're going to have a rough transition period with marijuana, where we're going to see some ups and downs. Long term, I think it's what's best for not just North Dakota, the nation. I, I really do. Next up, newsbusters.org. This is kind of like a little play in what we were talking about yesterday, but the headline is 2017, the year the news media went to war against a president. Yeah. And I have to kind of agree with that headline in, in many cases. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think there, if, if I remember right, there's like something negative, 90% of the stories were negative. Um, Although, again, I, I think you can have some selection bias there, depending on what, what sources you're selecting. I mean, obviously, if you're selecting, you know, cable news and a lot of the national press, yeah, I, I think you're going to see that. And I'm I'm not sure that the, that sort of palpable hostility to Trump, I'm all in favor of holding Trump accountable. And I'm all in favor of aggressive, um, aggressive coverage of him and calling him out when he says things that are untrue. Uh, and, and, and shining a light on the things that he's doing. I, I think every politician under the sun needs to get that treatment. But have you ever I, seen anything like this before? And I guess no. I, I should I should probably have written down some examples, but he can do something what maybe another president would do would be kind of trivial or... Well, you remember like the ice deal. cream thing? Like, uh, you know, there, there was something like, it was like a, it was a story about ice cream where like Trump wasn't going to serve ice cream to the reporters anymore. 
And like in reality, it's like, well, he just wasn't serving like the same number of scoops. Or I mean, it was just something that was really dumb. Like it was just petty and dumb. And why the Christmas decorate? Remember the Christmas yes. decorations? Yes. Yeah, you're, were, you're getting panel discussions about this stuff on CNN almost on a right. daily basis, and it's like, it's like, hey, oh, it looks like it looks like haunted Christmas. Well, you took <laughs> pictures of it when the lights were off, you idiots. <laughs> when the lights are on, it looks nice. You took pictures of when the lights were off, and then it's just you're manufacturing dumb stuff. And and the thing that drives me nuts about that is there's plenty of legitimate stuff to be critical of Trump about, but when you go after him about dumb stuff. Then people just roll their eyes, and it minimizes, right? It diminishes your ability to go after him on legit stuff. It's just a dumb thing to do. Stop, you know. But again, I think it's, you know, American newsrooms, particularly at that level, are, you know, kind of ideologically homogenous. Trump is a heretic to that world, uh, and they hate him. And boy, does that come through in their coverage. Oh, Absolutely. Last but not least from the New York Post, you're going to have to help me a little bit with this one. So it's official. The Me Too campaign has jumped the shark. It happened Saturdays uh, with Saturday's brutal public character assassination of actor Aziz Ansari. Is that right? I've I've never heard of Aziz. I think that's right. A dude who's laid claim to being one of Hollywood's good guys. Now his reputation is in tatters and his career is threatened because of a lady who took her time saying no. I like I like Aziz Ansari. I, I think he's I think he's funny. I thought he was great on Parks and Recreation. Uh, I think his show on on Netflix, though a little twee, um, was pretty good. You know, I think he's a talented dude. Um, I do think you know we've been talking about. I, I've been sort of waiting for this moment when people just sort of are like, eh, maybe the Me Too thing's going too far. Because while we've certainly shine, shown a light on a lot of stuff that's legitimately awful. Harvey Weinstein and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't need, we don't need to go down the list here. Um, I, I think people are getting trapped up in, in, in behavior that, that's not abusive. And I, I think what's going on here is that there was actually, um, you know, this, this woman came out and she's anonymous, right? She named him, uh, but he's essentially, she's staying anonymous. She went out on a date with him. Uh, he aggressively pursued sex with her. And when I say aggressively, man, he kept asking. But every time she said no or I'm not uncomfortable or whatever, he backed off. And eventually when she said she wanted to leave, he called her an Uber and she left. Now she's saying she was sexually assaulted. And I, I think that's a problem. A lot of people think, well, okay, you didn't like his advances, but every time you said no, he backed off. And when you wanted to leave, you left. Okay, so so maybe, what was, he, was he maybe a little too aggressive in pursuing sex? I guess you can make that argument, but that's not sexual assault. And if we're going to define that as sexual assault, boy, we got a big problem in society because... There's a lot of people that are going to be going to prison that maybe shouldn't be in prison. Okay, and here's the other thing, and I, I'm just kind of raising my eyebrow a little bit because I hadn't followed this story a whole lot. But the hit on Ansari came, it was uh, this uh, female, uh, was posted on babe.net with I, somebody yep. identified as a 23-year-old photographer from Brooklyn. Why does babe.net sound like a reputable site to me? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, it's it's It looks like I had never heard of it before and, and just, you know, obviously looked at it in the, um, in, in the, uh, you know, it, it's one of the, it's one of these websites. I, I have no idea anything about this website. Um, obviously like, like, and, and sorry has, he's not denying that the date happened. Uh, and even, even if you just, even if you just read through her description of everything that happened, right. I I'm still, I'm just not right. Which is obviously that's her side of the story, you know, and that's, that's told through her eyes. 
you read through it and it's just like okay at, at worst you know he he was he acted a little bit like a cad um but I, I don't know. I, I think this is just the moment where a lot of people are saying, I, I think we're getting carried away with this. Right. I, I'm, you know, again, maybe not the best date in the world, but chalk it up to a horrible date. It's not like he took off his clothes in front of her or made her do something against her will. He asked her, I guess, repeatedly. She said no, and he sent her home. I mean, that was yeah. it. And I don't think yeah. he called her names. You know, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. But, but again, and, and here, here's the thing, too. He's a celebrity, right? So he's been named. His name's all over the headlines. Uh, she's anonymous. And so, I mean, there's a certain point at which this almost starts to look a little bit like character assassination, right? And I, I think that's something that we've I, I've been worried about is that people are going to use either false accusations or exaggerated accusations to settle scores uh, against people and, and be able to do it in a way that you really can't defend yourself because the other person's anonymous and we've got this political environment now where we're just going to presume that you're guilty until proven innocent. I mean, that's that's really an environment that's set up to where we could have some some really bad miscarriages of justice. Again, I, I am glad that we're having this cathartic moment where a lot of these abuses are being exposed, uh, but I, I, I think the concern that this can go too far is is very, very real. All right, let's wrap it up here. Very good. That is the rundown for today. Rob Report will continue. Final segment coming up next at 970 WDAY. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY, AM 93.1 FM. You know, Eric, you're hearing that Mike McFeely promo about being on an airplane with, with technical problems? Right. I got a story about that. I was I was flying out of, uh, I was flying out of Minot, uh, and I was going to, well, obviously Minneapolis, about the only place you could fly to from Minot, but I, I think I was going to uh, Colorado. Um, but anyway, like we all get on the plane and then you were sitting there forever. Right. And then we back away from the gate and then we're sitting there for a long time. So, you know, they're having some sort of problems. Um, and then at some point the, uh, the captain comes on the, the, the thing, you know, and he does that thing, uh, you know, where they, they don't enunciate. Well, by the way, why do pilots talk that way? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why do they have to have the 1970s, the old CB radio microphone, too? <laughs> All right, folks, this is your captain speaking. Like, they speak yes. so low. It's like, everybody's just saying, shut up. Right. The captain's talking to us, and it's not the usual stuff like we're at 30,000 feet. We're going to turn left at Toledo to get wherever, right? I, it's not that stuff. Like, we're we're not flying. I want to hear what the captain say. Everybody, shut up, right? <laughs> so the captain's talking low and, and really annoyingly, so nobody can really hear him. The other thing is, well, you know, we got a computer problem. Uh, we're trying to fix this, uh, you know, before we take off. Okay, fine. You know, somebody forgot to do an update, whatever. The thing is, I'm looking outside. I'm seeing the maintenance grid. They're, like, under the, the thing, which makes sense. Maybe that's how they access the computer. But pretty soon I see a maintenance guy come along with a big damn hammer. And he's got a big, <laughs> giant hammer. And then the whole plane hears wham, wham, wham from under the thing. Like, just loud, as you can imagine, beating on the underside of the plane and I'm thinking, boy, that is a hell of a computer problem <laughs> that we are now resolving right now? <laughs> with, with the sledgehammer. Yeah. And then five minutes later, after the banging, the captain came on and was like, uh, we're going to go back to the gate. we got to fly in another plane. And, we, yeah, we ended up having to oh, sit boy. there for two hours and fly in another plane. But that was, uh, yeah, so that was my big. Luckily, we weren't in the air. But I just, I'm still trying to imagine what computer problem they were fixing. With a with, hammer. With, with the hammer. 
Maybe the computer was falling out. (laughs) I have had computer problems that I've wanted to fix with a hammer. I just don't think it's probably the most productive way to go about doing it. I I don't know. My goodness. I don't like to fly anyway, so something like that would really kind of push me over the top. Yeah. Uh, 701-293-9000, Email talk at wdayy.com. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. You know, we've been talking about this thing with with breastfeeding and, and all that. Um, and, and again, I, I think I've, I've been seeing some reactions on Facebook and that to me, um, saying, you know, I, you know, I, I support women breastfeeding in public. Well, so do I, you know, my kids were breastfed. Sometimes they were breastfed in public. Um, I, I, I don't want to see moms harassed. I also know that we live in a society where we all got to live with one another and we all have different points of view on this. And, and I might find people who are objecting to this prudish or whatever. I could also understand that maybe other people get carried away with it and, and make other people feel uncomfortable. And I, I think my philosophy about society and about politics is that everybody should be free to, to make the choices that they want to make as much as possible. Right. I mean, that's, that's my, my default setting. Now, I understand we can't just let people do whatever they want. we got to have some laws, which means you can't, like, be shooting your rifle in your backyard in an urban area. That's not safe. That puts other people in danger, Um, not to mention, you know, the the noise is not great. You can't do that. So we've got to have laws against that. We can't just let you make every single choice you want to make. But when we drill down to issues like this, right, where there's, there's, you know, nobody's necessarily – at harm it's it's just it's it's sort of a subjective thing i think we've got to leave it up to people choosing i think you've got to leave it to to, to let people make the choices that they're going to make and i i think a lot of people just just can't and i i, I wish if, if there was something if there was some skill that i wish was more prevalent in society it's that sometimes i wish people would were, were able to have the humility and, and the deference maybe to just let issues go sometimes. Just just understand that you live in a free society. And we're all going to work together to, to try to allow one another to make the maximum number of choices possible. But the price of that is that sometimes other people are going to make choices that you don't like. And I, I make that argument a lot when it comes to free speech. But, but really, the principle, I think, goes far beyond the issue of free speech. It's not just if you want free speech, that means you're going to have to tolerate speech that you don't like. It's also if you want the freedom to choose, if you want the freedom to decide how you're going to live your life and and to go through life and to make choices that impact you, that impact your family, that impact your career and and your prosperity, uh, you got to understand that other people are going to want to make choices too. And they're going to make them on values that maybe sometimes you don't necessarily share. It's, It's an imperfect world. And to, to me, I would rather live with the imperfections. I would rather live with the, the struggles that we sometimes have with one another, as infuriating as they can be. I would rather face those obstacles and deal with them than to live in a world that is made unfree because we're constantly trying to perfect it public policy. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'd like to see a little bit more skepticism of public policy as a solution because that, that was at the center of the breastfeeding thing is in North Dakota law. We have a right to breastfeed that's in the law and includes private property and includes words in there that, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it again? I have to now I have to look it up. I don't even remember the, uh, the words. I think it's something like modest. Yeah. Uh, 
If the woman acts in a discreet and modest manner. Okay, so now we're putting these highly subjective terms into law. And the law is called is, is creating a right for women to breastfeed. This is terrible public policy. Not least because the terms like like the guidelines for the mom's breastfeeding are completely subjective. To, to, to the point of making the law unusable. But on top of that, you're creating a right on private property that I don't think you necessarily have. I don't think that you should just get to breastfeed your kid wherever. I, I No, I shouldn't say that. I think moms should be able to breastfeed their kids just about wherever they want. But I also think the business owners and, and property owners should be able to make that choice. That's my argument. And I, I think in this scrap over this are, are larger lessons for our society and how we're going to live with one another. Right? I mean, so much of politics is just, it's just you know, one group of people wants to do it this way and another group of people wants to do it this way. In, in some ways, I, I think the reason why the federal government is so polarized and so um, to the point where they never get anything done, paralyzed, is because they're trying to do too much. It's too much public policy. We need to push the choice back to people. As unsatisfying and as difficult as that may be, we got to push the choice back to people. Jay Thomas Show. Coming up next, this is the Rob Report. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Or of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at anythingblog.com North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.